Welcome to the Sport Manitoba podcast, hosted by Nolan Cole. Welcome to episode 24 of the Sport Manitoba podcast. My name is Nolan Cole. I'm the digital media specialist at Sport Manitoba. At Sport Manitoba, our goal is simple. We aim to ensure every Manitoban has access to the resources they need to achieve their full athletic potential, and we do this every day by developing the skill sets of Manitoba's athletes, coaches, volunteers, and officials. We're also the main funding agency for amateur sport in the province. A reminder that all of our episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast app you might use. And we want to emphasize that we followed all public health and social distancing guidelines in producing this podcast episode. By this time of year, curling season would normally be well underway, but obviously things are different this year. We've had some fantastic curling guests on previous episodes, including Jill Officer, Jacques Goche, and Mackenzie Zacharias. And we've got another curler for you on this episode, who also happens to be one of our Kids Sport Manitoba ambassadors. I'll introduce you to her next, right after a quick word from some of our sponsors and campaigns. Kids Sport believes in the power of sport to transform lives. Sport fuels healthy habits, creates safer communities, improves mental health, and helps cultivate the leaders of tomorrow. Since 1993, Kids Sport has helped over 930,000 kids from coast to coast get into the game. This holiday season, you can give the gift that gives back. Give the gift of a sport. Visit kidsport.ca slash Manitoba to donate today so all kids can play. Sport Manitoba and Doctors Manitoba joined forces in 2013 to launch Fit Kids Healthy Kids. Both partners saw the need to promote physical literacy as a means to combat health risks associated with a sedentary lifestyle such as type 2 diabetes and obesity. Doctors Manitoba has been generously supporting Fit Kids Healthy Kids financially since its inception. Learn more at fitkidshealthykids.ca. Extreme storms are unpredictable and can disrupt electrical service without warning. Your power may be off for a few hours or, in extreme cases, a few days. Be prepared and assemble essential items in an emergency kit that is easy to find in the dark. Include items like a flashlight, extra batteries, water, food that doesn't require cooking, and a manual can opener. Rest assured that in the event of a power outage, emergency crews are working as quickly as possible to restore your electrical service. This message is brought to you by Manitoba Hydro. At just 26 years old, competitive curler Shannon Burchard already has two Scotty's Tournament of Hearts national titles to her name. She's also won a world championship as an alternate on the Jennifer Jones team in 2018 and would have represented Canada again at the Worlds last March, if not for the global pandemic. On top of her impressive curling resume, Shannon also became a kids sport ambassador earlier this year, hoping to inspire more kids to get involved in organized sport. In the midst of a curling season that's been unlike any other, Shannon took some time to talk with me about the challenges of the sport being paused this year, her success on the ice over the last few seasons, and what her goals for the future are. Here's my conversation with Shannon Burchard. So Shannon, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Obviously been a tough year for sports, athletes across the world, and no different for curlers here in Canada. I'm just curious what the season's been like for you with all the interruptions and uncertainty. Uh, it's been difficult for sure, um, especially now with uh, all the clubs in Manitoba closed down. We can't get any ice time anywhere. So not having that available to us to practice on or, or even get to any kind of workout facility to do off-ice training um, is definitely difficult. And it's going to be like that for the next month or so as far as we know. So, yeah, it's just kind of trying to find meaningful things to 
fill all of this extra time that we have. We're used to being out of town for two weeks a month, essentially, from September all the way until, let's say, April of every year, every season. Um, so filling that time and then and the days when we are home, it's it's two to four hours of of dedicated training, whether that's on ice or off ice, usually every day. So we're kind of trying to pivot and focus on other things that we maybe didn't um, spend enough time doing in, a, in the past, whether that's um, doing some more team building things um, on, an, on an emotional level, um, working on our mental strength and, and working on sports psychology and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's really trying to be creative with what we have. So I know you were in Alberta last week. So how many events have you actually played this year? Zero. Zero. Okay. So, <laughs> and, uh, and so you mentioned being creative. So that was my next question. Like, you know, anything in particular, you just touched on it, but anything in particular to stay kind of mentally and physically sharp? Because I imagine your training routine has been thrown off too. Definitely. Um, before things closed down, we actually had a really great um, training weekend out in Edmonton with our coach and our other fourth player, Val. And um, the way it was organized was kind of like an event. It was very intensive, lots of practice. And we, and we had uh, three exhibition games scheduled for that weekend as well. So that was really important for us because we hadn't all been together as a foursome since... March. So just getting our feet wet again uh, was great. And obviously with the shutdown now, um, I think we haven't really come up with a, a solid plan as to as to what the next month was going to look like. Uh, we potentially had an event in Red Deer, I guess, uh, that was going to start on the 26th of November. But with the shutdowns in Alberta, we haven't heard a firm yes or no as to whether that event is going forward. So we're just kind of trying to be patient and um, roll with the punches. And um, yeah, I think uh, learning how to deal with the adversity this year will make us better players for the future. Yeah, I'll ask you about the, the rest of the season a little later on here, but I want to take you back a bit here, Shannon. So I watched one of your spotlight videos. You said you got into the sport that you were forced into it as a kid. Is that just another way of saying that you kind of grew up in a curling family? I did, yes. Um, so yeah, I, I played a lot of soccer. I played many sports growing up, soccer, badminton, curling, volleyball. Uh, and when I was young, in my, I didn't really play a lot of winter sports except for curling. And um, my dad, he grew up in a, in a big curling family and I didn't really get the game. None of my friends played it. So I wasn't super interested in spending my Saturdays and Sundays at a curling club. Um, but I was told that I should try it for a year and if I didn't like it after that, you know, I gave it the old college try and I was allowed to pick something else. But I loved it right off the bat. And uh, it's such a great sport for meeting new people and, and meeting new friends and uh, creating a really amazing community. So. And you have a brother that curled competitively as well, right? I do, yes. So he was somebody that I looked up to quite a bit, and he always had a lot of success in juniors. And uh, he still plays a little bit on the Manitoba circuit, but uh, he didn't pursue um, the elite curling. You mentioned you played multiple sports growing up. Did you find that that helped you as a curler once you kind of honed in on it? I think it did. Obviously, just learning to move your body in, in different ways and, and just the mental capacity um, of competition and that kind of thing definitely helped. Um, once curling got 
busier and, and took up more of my schedule, it did become the sole sport I played. So, but I think it let me build like a really strong foundation. Was there a moment when you realized growing up that you not only enjoyed the sport curling, but that you wanted to pursue it competitively? I don't know if there's a specific moment that I can pinpoint. I just know that uh, there were a lot of moments along my in my junior career where I was kind of told that I had a lot of promise within the sport. Um, and I kind of always had that in the back of my mind that I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it and make it to that level. And um, I really, truly did get lucky three years ago, um, getting kind of thrown into the spotlight on the Jones team. It was more than I could have hoped for. I was hoping to, you know, move up and take the next step the, the next year, but I was kind of thrust into it. And uh, it was honestly the best thing that could have happened for my curling career. Who did you look up to in the sport growing up? I mean, did you have one or two curlers or maybe an idol or a favorite curler? Yeah, I mean, Jennifer was always a big idol of mine, just being from Manitoba. So it was pretty amazing to get to play for her. And I think the reason that I started playing competitively in the first place was there was a Worlds um, in 2003 that was hosted in Winnipeg. And it was men's and women's together. So... Um, I went to a bunch of the games and I got to meet the Colleen Jones team and I also met the Randy Furby team there and so just having that personal connection just kind of opened my eyes to what my future in curling could potentially look like and uh, that's something really special about curling is that we have such a connection to the fans. So you had an impressive junior career as a skip then you started your women's career as a skip had the short stint at third, which you just mentioned. I'm going to ask you about that, obviously. And now you're a second on your current team. So I guess what was the transition from skip to front end like for you? And was it something you always considered or did it just kind of come about and work out that way? Definitely not something I always considered. Uh, probably in the year or two leading up to playing second, I definitely had it in the back of my mind as a way to make the transition into more of the elite level. But I, I think I maybe more so thought a, th a third position would have been uh, more natural to to uh, fit into off the bat. But um, yeah, I kind of we just all took it in stride coming into that team. Like everybody was making a huge adjustment, and and it was almost like a blank slate. Like okay, so how we looked at all the top players in those positions at that time. So for myself, I was looking at. Jill Officer, who I just had an amazing experience playing with. I looked at Joanne Courtney and Agnes Nockenhauer of Sweden and, and looked at all of the attributes that I wanted to emulate and kind of set it out as this is what I want to accomplish. And then also, what can I bring from my skipping background into this position to um, kind of fulfill a unique role as a second? What is your favorite position if you could pick one? If there's one game, Shannon, what do you want to play? What would you pick? I do absolutely love playing second. There is a certain, you know, grandiose to playing skip and you get to make the big shots and save the games. Um, and that was amazing when you made them, but there was so much pressure and I felt stressed a lot of the time skipping. And while I loved it, um, and I loved learning more and more about the game and the strategy and everything like that, like. I could do without that stress every once in a while. 
third was amazing. I really only played it <laughs> for 12 days of my life. So I don't know if I can qualify that as, you know, having enough experience, experience to say that it's, you know, a top position for me or favorite or something like that, just because while it was so amazing, I just didn't have enough time to really delve into it. So I think second is currently my favorite and I'm glad to be playing it right now. Um, I like being um, that support role on a team. I found that I really enjoy it. Um, I like the physicality of sweeping, um, being involved with all the players on the ice, still having, you know, a finger in the pot when it comes to strategy a little bit and also just, you know, really trying to build up my team. I remember watching the 2018 Scotties and thinking to myself, wow, what an experience this must be for Shannon Burchard to be playing with Jennifer Jones. So I'm asking you, what was the whole experience like for you and what did you kind of take away from that week? It was absolutely amazing. Like I just felt like I was on cloud nine the entire time. I didn't really have time during the week to get nervous which seems so strange because that was one of the number one questions that people would ask me. It was like, aren't you nervous to be playing with Jennifer Jones? It's your first Scotties. Why, how are you playing so well? And I just remember um, the team really making sure that I was having an amazing time um, and that like they really emphasized that it was my first Scotties and, and what a dream come true. And for them, like, you know, it's like clockwork. I think Jen has been to like 11 Scotties or something like that. Um, so they really made my experience super enjoyable to the point where I didn't even have to like worry about, you know, game to game, what fears I had about being out there. Um, I think I remember definitely in the final I had nerves um, and I think it showed quite a bit especially in the first half of the game. And I kind of had a bit of a, a turning point halfway through where um, I just had a, a bit of a moment of clarity where I was like, okay, like we can definitely win this, pull, your, pull yourself together a little bit and uh, just make it through, rely on your teammates and uh, do your job out there. Well, it's not like you guys breezed through the week either. I mean, it was a real pressure cooker in the, in the, in the one-two game and then the finals, right? So like there must've been a, lot, a, a little bit of nerves for you in that playoffs. Definitely. Yeah. But I, I just knew that uh, Dawn and, and Jill and Jen, like they're professionals out there, well-oiled well machine. Um, they'd been in that position so much. And so I just really tried to emulate what they were doing out there and rely on their support when I was feeling uncomfortable. Shannon Burchard is our guest on the Sport Manitoba podcast. We'll be back with the second half of our discussion after a quick break. The Sport Manitoba Clinic now offers virtual appointments. Our virtual services are designed to provide the exact same service at a distance using video technology. To learn more and book an appointment, visit sportmanitoba.ca. The world of work is changing faster than ever and companies are racing to adapt to the new normal. With the rise in remote workers across all sectors, there is a greater need for better collaboration tools, access to information and improved security. At every turn, Konica Minolta is helping businesses reshape the workplace with artificial intelligence, cloud, and mobility solutions. To learn more about digital transformation and ways to future-proof your workplace, go to konicaminolta.ca business. Sport Manitoba's annual Bison Transport Sport Leadership Series is committed to empowering and inspiring women to become leaders in sport. 
This year, we have a free five-part online series beginning with our first session, Female Coaches' Path to Success, on November 25th. To register or to learn more about the series, visit sportmanitoba.ca. So Shannon, you became a kids sport ambassador earlier this year. Talk a little bit, a little bit about the work you do with kids sport and why you decided to get involved with it. Yeah, so I was actually approached um, by Cassidy, and she sent me an email in the spring asking if I wanted to become an ambassador. Um, and my name was kind of flagged because the fall of 2018, I was in the Women of Curling calendar and, and each um, curler that's in it chooses a charity to donate the proceeds of their calendar sales to. And I chose Kidsport. And um, yeah, I just, I mean, I love the organization. I love the message of, you know, making sure all kids can play because I think sports just, it sets um, such amazing building blocks for any child, regardless of whether they play sport into their adulthood. Uh, you know, you just learn so much um, about yourself and um, about, you know, key things like accountability and perseverance and integrity and, and teamwork and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I love the organization. And when she asked me to come on um, as an ambassador, I really couldn't say no. Uh, such a great opportunity and I haven't really had a huge chance to do much with it just because of um, the circumstances surrounding the pandemic and and uh, you guys not being able to host any events this summer so um, yeah I'm just looking forward to whenever I'll be able to be more involved and and come to certain events and and whatnot and I've been kind of talking to Colin Hodgson a little bit about um, other ways that we can get curling itself as a sport and kids sport to kind of merge a little bit more. So yeah, I think we'll, we'll continue that conversation and see what we can do in the future. Yeah. And just along those lines, once all that activity resumes, what approach would you take with the kids in terms of like the advice for whether they're young curlers or young athletes, what advice would you pass on to those people who maybe aspire to achieve the same success that you have? I think one of the big things is uh, really just enjoy the moment. Uh, so much of sport or just uh, goal setting can be so much like so future focused that you forget to enjoy what's happening around you enjoy the process regardless of whether you're losing or winning and and uh, really focus on the lessons you're gaining throughout that process um, every single elite athlete has lost a very high number of games. So also just, you know, keep pushing through it. Don't quit. Don't give up before um, you get a chance to really, you know, put yourself to the test. Okay, your current team, Team Anderson, it was dubbed the all-skip team when the announcement came out, I remember. Uh, obviously some success with winning the Scotties last year, but I want to know how has the team kind of come together over the last couple of years in, you, in your view and kind of what that process has been like for your team? Yeah, it's been really great. Uh, I think we've learned a lot about ourselves and each other. Um, obviously, none of us had ever played together, so we had to learn a lot about each other. And, and uh, I hadn't even met Val before we came on <laughs> team yeah. together. So I think it was a really cool experience of starting from scratch. Um, we laid it all out on the table as 
previous skips coming together and just said, this is what we like, this is what we don't like, this is, you know, what happened on my old team and why we were successful or why we had, you know, um, certain problems. And, and we just laid it all out there and kind of picked apart the areas that we wanted to bring together and move forward with. Um, so that was really great to do. And um, we really set our egos aside and, and said, okay, we're not four skips. We were very adamant about that. We didn't want to be four skips on a team. We wanted to be a lead second, third, and skip. And um, so it was all about morphing into that new role and um, shedding that old identity as a skip. One of the things about curling I've always found so interesting how the athletes' personalities are magnified on the ice, right? And you, you might agree or disagree, but like there's a lot of conversation, body language, that type of thing. So I guess the question, how difficult is it to find the right teammates when you kind of bring all these personalities together, especially when you want to win at the highest level? And you probably just went through that process a little bit with your current team. Yeah. Um, so one big thing about our team is nobody is super outspoken and it kind of works to our advantage a little bit. Um, we don't have one really loud voice out there. So it allows us to have really um, open table discussions about the game um, and how we want to proceed and get better. So that was something that we considered when we all kind of found each other, that we were like-minded. Um, similar playing styles was another thing. We like that aggressive game. And then uh, I think also just looking at individual skill set as a skip. If you had asked me about Brianne years ago before I had played with her and she was skipping, I would have said, don't leave her that draw to the forefoot because she makes it every time. So knowing that she fit into that lead role really great. She always has her draw weight. She's always on there. For myself, I always defaulted to the big hit weight and, and playing those big shots. So I felt like I naturally fit into the second role. And as for Val, she's just got a vast amount of experience at the skip level. So she has that knowledge. Um, she's a really calming influence. So I think that created a really great support for Carrie to just do her thing and um, call whatever she wants to call. And, and we'll be there to support her in whatever way we can. I wanted to ask you too about kind of the balancing act between curling, your curling career and your career outside of curling. Um, because it's kind of a gray area, right? Where, you know, maybe the top teams, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe the top, team, top teams make enough money, but most teams don't. I know other countries are starting to develop professional curlers, right? Or trying to. What's your perspective on that whole dynamic right now with where the sport's at, kind of in relation to, to what your own goals are? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think... Some teams are fortunate enough that they, they don't have to, um, depending on the team support they get from corporate sponsors and that kind of things. Other people still choose to work, even though they don't have to, because they want to fill their time with um, something that, that is um, you know, different from curling. 
Um, and then, yeah, other teams have to find a way to make it work with either an employer or um, get creative and become self-employed. That's something that I did um, so that they can really have a flexible schedule and uh, make sure it doesn't interfere with uh, their curling. So, yeah, I think uh, when I was going through university and wanting to play at the elite level, it caused me a lot of grief as to what career stream and what I, I wanted to study because I needed something if I wanted to pursue curling that was going to be flexible enough for me to take time off to travel and potentially, you know, work on the road and that kind of thing. So uh, even though I have <laughs> a science degree, I haven't used it. And that's something that I think is great about the sport is that it did force me to kind of evolve my thinking and get creative in ways to, um, you know, create some sort of career for myself. You work in accounting outside of curling, is that right? Yeah, I'm a bookkeeper. So if you had the option to be a competitive curler, would you take it? Like, would you want to be a, com uh, or sorry, a professional curler outside, as a full-time professional curler, if you had that option, would you want to be a professional curler? Or do you like having that balance between your work and sport? I do like having the balance. I mean, if I was only a curler, you know, there's only so many hours a day you can put into that. And uh, I, I like to, you know, keep myself busy. So having something else to focus on, um, something else that can, you know, give me goals to set and that kind of thing, then I like that. Um, and the nice thing with uh, being a bookkeeper is I can work as much or as little as I want. So um, it's really, truly uh, been a blessing that I've been able to fit into this. And I, I thank my parents for helping me with that. They are both CAs, so they kind of uh, gave me some training on, on it and really set me up with uh, the tools that I needed to get things going. So yeah, that was awesome. And um, I am very grateful. Self-employment is, is different, and, but it's fun and, and challenging. And, and um, my life didn't change a whole lot in that aspect when all the businesses shut down. So, so I was thankful for that at least. Okay, so the accounting runs in your family as well as the curling. So kind of a double thing there. Yes. Favorite hobby outside of curling? Do you have one or two or three? Oh, it's not really, I mean, it's not a hobby. I just love going to the lake and, and relaxing. And uh, I tried to get back into drawing this past summer, which I used to do quite a bit, but um, kind of fell off with. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's really just spending time with my friends and family because I'm, I'm not around as much. Um, so I, get, I think this year has been great for that, obviously. Um, really getting to slow down and, and take the time to be more present with, with my family and friends. So that's been, that's been good about this year. Favorite city or country that you've competed in so far? Hmm. I haven't really traveled too much for curling outside of Canada. I've been to Beijing and Dudinka which is in Siberia. So that would be probably the most interesting place that I've traveled. Um, definitely a different lifestyle and very eye-opening. But I think my favorite is probably Penticton. I love BC. It's gorgeous and beautiful. And uh, obviously winning my first Scotties there was pretty amazing. Which event was in Siberia? It was called the Arctic Cup. Okay. 
Yeah, so they held it. I think they've held it twice. Um, and then in between that, they, they held a mixed doubles spiel there. So it's, yeah, the 69th parallel. So basically up as north as Baffin Island in Canada. And um, yeah, like a four hour time difference from Moscow is pretty crazy. We, we flew into Moscow and it was 30 degrees and then uh, flew to Dinka and it was minus 15 <laughs> when we arrived. So <laughs> a pretty crazy uh, change of uh, temperature. For sure, yeah. yeah. Career highlights so far on the ice. Do you have one? I mean, I think it has to be winning the Scotties this past year. That was just a culmination of two years of a lot of hard work for all of us. And it will always stand out to me as a very, very difficult achievement. Um, it was such a tough week and, and the teams that we competed against are really, you know, world class. So to have come out on the other side as winners was pretty amazing. And, and regardless of the disappointment of not being able to compete at the Worlds, that is definitely, uh, will forever be a huge highlight. Probably a tough one for you to answer right now. And you touched on it earlier. What does the rest of the season look like for your team or what do you hope it looks like? Yeah, I hope we can get at least one event in before this supposed bubble. Um, it would be unfortunate if we have to go straight into the Scotties without having played an event um, this season. So uh, hopefully something in January comes up and once restrictions get a little bit lighter. I think we're just going to roll with it. Um, we know that we have the ability to put together a great string of games regardless of the amount of experience we've had on the ice so far that season and uh, based on the past year's experience we've had really great starts to our season so <laughs> maybe that uh, bodes well if we haven't played in anything going into it but uh, yeah we're hoping for that bubble scenario and they're thinking of doing I guess the the mixed doubles nationals in it as well I do play mixed doubles as well so hoping to be able to play in that uh, as well as I think there's an event for mixed doubles in January as long as things go well. <laughs> if they did do the hub concept in Calgary for the Scotties, would that change much for you guys competing on the ice with no fans? Do you think it'd be a, a big adjustment or not so much? I think it will definitely be an adjustment. Whether it'll affect us negatively, I don't think so. Um, it'll be different for sure. Um, we definitely feed off the crowd and we love the energy that it provides in the building. It's really electric. Um, but playing without hearing those fans, it'll just be more similar to kind of regular tour events uh, where we're in clubs and we don't have the fans out on the ice with us. They're behind the glass, so we can't hear them. So uh, it'll just be likened to that. And, and um, as far as being in a bubble scenario, we're just going to be, it, uh, we don't stray from the hotel really in a regular event anyways. So I, I don't see that being too different. Okay, last question for you, Shannon. What are your goals for the future, both on and off the ice, long-term goals? On and off the ice. Okay, well, definitely uh, I want to, you know, represent Canada at the Olympics and win gold. That would be a major long-term goal, whether that happens next year or, you know, 
in the years to come. Uh, it's definitely top of the list. And yeah, I mean, off the ice, I think just continuing to grow as an individual and um, dedicate myself to, I think, giving back to the sport at um, at uh, some time in the future. So uh, hopefully I'm able to do that partially through Kidsport. Um, and I want to be creative with uh, doing that in other ways uh, once I have the ability to. Always love talking to Curler Shannon. Good luck with everything going forward, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Shannon Burchard for coming on the podcast to talk about the impressive start to her curling career, and we wish her all the best in the future once the sport resumes. If you like this episode of the Sport Manitoba podcast, you can subscribe to our podcast. All 24 episodes are available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media. It's at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you know of an athlete, coach, or somebody else involved in sport who you think would make for a good guest on our podcast, please let me know. Email me at podcast at sportmanitoba.ca. Our next episode will be out in December. Until then, I'm Nolan Cole. Thanks for listening to the Sport Manitoba podcast.